Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We've been considering public prayer through the singing of hymns in corporate worship. In the last podcast, we talked about the entrance into worship, in which our focus is upon the very presence of God, His person, His grandeur, His majesty, and His holiness. And as we approach Him, we often sing a song of praise that's addressed to him or that extols him. One that is addressed to him is in the form of a prayer because prayer is speaking to God. But the worship service is more than just the beginning. The worship service progresses all the way through to the proclamation of the word. There's a second movement within worship that I want to talk about in this broadcast. And that is the humbling of ourselves before God, our corporate public confession of sin. Now, many churches have lost this dimension of public worship, although it is making a comeback in some circles. But it's very important in our particular congregation, and I believe it is a very scriptural action that we should engage in. Because you see, one thing that's happening in public worship, in biblical public worship, Christian biblical public worship, is that we are telling a story. It is the story of the gospel that that begins with God, who invites us into worship him, who enables us to be his worshipers through his grace and his mercy. And we extol him for who he is, and we call one another to worship as he has called us in the words of scripture to worship. And here is an opportunity for us to praise God by direct address through praise and adoration of his very being and his works. But whenever we come to God like this, we should immediately know who we are in the light of who he is. Isaiah the prophet certainly had this vision. And he often forms as a paradigm for worship. Let me read you Isaiah chapter 6, the first few verses. Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, Yahweh of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. That's a paradigm for Christian worship. Let me read something else to you. What about in the history of the church? How important is this 
declaration of our sin before a holy God and our asking for his cleansing so that we can be his worthy worshipers and so that we can be his faithful witness bearers in the world. John Calvin structured his liturgy during the Reformation period to include a confession of sin immediately following the call to worship. We can go further back in history to the Didache, which was a summary of Christian teaching and liturgical practices written in the very turn of the second century. And it says in there, confess your sins in church and do not go to prayer with a guilty conscience. This is the way of life. So in the worship service that I was discussing that occurred a couple of weeks ago, our call to confession, our, our call to humble ourselves before God, began with words from Romans 3.20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And then the assurance from Hebrews 10.22, since we have a great high priest who's ascended to heaven with his own blood offering shed on our behalf, since we have this great high priest who has ascended to heaven with his own blood offering shed on our behalf, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, often on the Lord's Day, we will then speak a corporate confession of sin, or sometimes there's an opportunity for a, a quiet a confession, and then a corporate confession or someone leading it. But this is also an opportunity when we could actually make a prayer, a confession to God in the words of hymns. And here's one called Kind and Merciful God, written in the 20th century. Kind and merciful God, we have sinned in your sight. We've all wandered far from your way. We have followed desire and we fail to aspire to the virtue we ought to display. Kind and merciful God, we've neglected your word and the truth that would guide us aright. We have lived in the shade of the dark we have made when you willed us to walk in the light. Kind and merciful God, we have broken your laws and in conduct have veered from the norm. We dreamed of the good, but the good that we could, we have frequently failed to perform. Kind and merciful God, in Christ's death on the cross, you provided a cleansing from sin. Speak the words that forgive, that henceforth we may live by the might of your Spirit within. Kind and merciful God, bid us lift up our heads, command us to rise from our knees. May our hearts now be changed and no longer estranged through the power of your pardon and peace. Or this would be a great opportunity to use the words of the Psalms themselves in the singing of a prayer to God. One of the most common and frequent ones in the past would be Psalm 51, the great Psalm of David, after being confronted with his terrible sins. It's called, God be merciful to me. God be merciful to me. On your grace I rest my plea. Plenteous in compassion you. Blot out my transgressions now. Wash me, make me pure within. Cleanse, O oh, cleanse me from my sin. My transgressions I confess. Grief and guilt my soul oppress. I've sinned against your grace and provoked you to your face. 
I confess your judgment just, speechless I, your mercy trust. I'm evil, born in sin. You desire truth within. You alone, my Savior, are. Teach your wisdom to my heart. Make me pure, your grace bestow. Wash me whiter than the snow. Broken, humbled to the dust. By your wrath and judgment just, let my contrite heart rejoice and in gladness hear your voice. From my sins, O oh, hide your face. Brought them out in boundless grace. These are the words of Scripture in a poetic form in which we can sing our prayer to God. In the words of Psalm 51, we can then respond in the words of Psalm 32 and the great rejoicing at the pardon that God gives us when we confess our sins. Yes, the corporate expression of our sin, our continuing sin as the children of God, is an important aspect of biblical worship that needs to be recovered in our day. And it is a recovery that involves prayer to God, prayer that's spoken, and yes, prayer that can be sung to God. It's the confession of our sin, of our need as men in need of God's grace, which he freely bestows upon us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the particular Sunday that I was speaking about, we did not actually sing the confessional prayer. We just read the Word of God and we spoke a prayer to God. But we did sing a song that was speaking to God directly. It's a, sin, a song that talks about the pardon that He gives us and the resolution that we have as His children to now walk the way we ought to walk in this world. It's a a hymn, modern hymn written by Bob Coughlin. It's, O great God of highest heaven, occupy my lowly heart, own it all and reign supreme, conquer every rebel power. Let no vice or sin remain that resist your holy war. You have loved and purchased me. Make me yours forevermore. I was blinded by my sin, had no ears to hear your voice, did not know your love within, had no taste for heaven's joys. Then your spirit gave me life, opened up your word to me through the gospel of your son, gave me endless hope and peace. Help me now to live a life that's dependent on your grace. Keep my heart and guard my soul from the evils that I face. You're worthy to be praised with my every thought and deed, O oh, great God of highest heaven, glorify your name through me. You hear these hymns, these psalms, these songs, they are prayers to God, addressing God, speaking to him directly about who he is and about who we are, about our need for his forgiveness and his great grace in bestowing his pardon upon us and continuing to cleanse us from our sins in light of the promise of God and the gospel, that we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, this is the great glory of the gospel. So in public worship, we enter into the presence of God, and we can do so in the singing of hymns that are addressed to God in the form of prayers and praise. We can continue in our activity worship by acknowledging who we are as sinful 
beings who come after the likeness of Adam, but whom God in Christ has chosen to redeem. And we confess that we failed him in so many ways, but we look to him to continue his work, his gracious work in our heart of cleansing us and renewing us and re-putting us on the road every week to go forth in the power of the gospel to live to the glory of his name. Yes, public worship is a dialogue. It's a dialogue between God in which he speaks his word to us, his word of promise, his word of truth, his word of salvation, his word of whatever it is, and our response to him in which we speak. We speak in the forms of prayer because prayer is the great form of worship in which we acknowledge our dependence among God, our creator, and our glorious redeemer. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights. And the next time, remember to confess your sins. He is ready to forgive you, to cleanse you within.